This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of the Data Download. Uh, I'm honored to continue to be the host of the show. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about this year. There was a lot to talk about last year. We, we got through a whole lot of topics. And uh, you know what? Last year, uh, we kicked things off with Stan Christians, my boss. Uh, and we're going to do the same thing this year. So let's talk to Stan. Uh, he's going to give us some thoughts on his, his ideas for what's coming up in 2023. So let's get to it. So Stan, one of the co-founders of Calibra, that's that's a while ago in 2008 we started the company. For the last couple of years, I'm running our own data office at Calibra. So Felix, uh, co-founder and CEO, said, hey Stan, you figure that out. Here's your title. You're going to be the chief data citizen uh, at Calibra. Now, nobody knows what that means, <laughs> but um, essentially it's the equivalent of a chief data officer at Calibra, which means that I'm responsible for our data strategy, uh, our data products and the data infrastructure that is required to power all of this. Mm -hmm. And the reason why um, Felix stressed citizen, not officer, is because we believe that it's very much uh, all about the data citizen. Everybody in the organization who uses data to do their job is a data citizen. It's really about how everyone in the organization can be enabled with data. You recently wrote a blog that was posted on the Calibra website and it was it was all about your your top five data predictions for the year for 2023. First on the list I think was uh, something that's called data monetization. Uh, you mentioned data asset a minute ago. So tell, tell us more about what you you know what, what your thoughts are around what data monetization is, what does it mean for you right and, and why is it why is it in your top five? I think I mentioned it before but it's one of my biggest pet peeve buttons you can keep pushing on. And you should, because it's one of the most important things to have in your data strategy, especially today. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important for data professionals that they take on their data responsibilities. So it's the data professionals who have to do the data modeling, right? It's the data professionals who have to set up the data architectures. We're not asking the business to you know, become engineers and to start coding either. So we shouldn't ask the business to become the best data architects in the world. Uh, quite the opposite. What we should do as data professionals is we have to learn to speak the language of the business. The language of the business is money. Mm -hmm. If you have a data strategy without monetization in it, you're looking at a data strategy that's on the clock. One of your other top five items was something called data products. And I have a feeling that that's going to have a good tie into data monetization, right? Uh, especially if we're talking about making money from data. What do you think about that? How would you how would you define a data product? I don't think a lot of people in the business really do understand data very well yet. And if you've never written a SQL query or you never had to wrangle data, even in an Excel file, right? Then data may seem like this magical bullet, <laughs> right. which just gives you predictions about the future that are 100% accurate. And it's easy to do that. Uh, now, as a, if you're a data professional, you know it's, it takes a little bit more effort, uh, obviously. Uh, so the business has, has a challenge wrapping their head around it. It's like, okay, what is this data thing? Is it oil, gold, soil, the new, what have you? <laughs> so business stakeholders and businesses, organizations work through products and services. Uh, that's how they make money. 
So if you um, take the shortest conceptual distance between data and the dollar, that's the data product. Right. A data product could be a dashboard. It could be the data set itself and a whole bunch of other things like a machine learning model or what have you. These are all examples of data products. Um, and let's imagine the most simple one possible, you know, a beautiful one with just a pie chart in there. And oh, you know how I love pie, pie charts, charts, right? <laughs> I love them because I love pie, not because I love pie charts. Um, but essentially, uh, even that simplest data product, to build it still takes resources. I mean, it takes your time to build it. Um, it takes you know, storage cost because you have to have the data sitting somewhere to load into that pie chart. Uh, it takes uh, compute cycles, right? Because maybe there's some queries that need to be run or some transformations that need to take place. Um, so there's there's a cost associated with it in time, money, resources, what have you. Right. So if you indeed apply that product management thinking that is very, you know, well understood in all sorts of industries, uh, then you can literally take some of these processes and the discipline and apply it to data products. When a product is first created, uh, there is a thing called an ideation process, right? You need to come up with the idea of the product, what it's going to do, and which business need it is going to solve, right? So identifying that business need and whether the data product will match and solve that business need is a decision that should be taken by somebody who has an understanding of the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that person with that role and that responsibility has to be involved in coming up with ideas for data products that are going to solve their business. Right, 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 right. That data product concept also makes organizations adopt more of these tried and tested practices to data as well. Yeah, and I think uh, if I were to... You know, the, the one word that comes to mind as you were describing all of that was just the word customer, right? Mm -hmm. So why, why make a product if you don't have a customer? So, mm -hmm. so, that, so that product management skill set, mindset, discipline is really all, all going to be about that. I think you called, you, know, you said stakeholder, right? Before, who, who's going to use this data product? Why are they going to use it? Why mm -hmm. is it important to them? What problems is it helping them to solve? That kind of you know market analysis is also something that's probably really crucial to uh, you know data people becoming product managers also for their data products, right? Really thinking about you know the who and the why of mm -hmm. your product, right? Who's going to benefit from it? Why are they benefiting from it? It's a whole other set of things that, to be thinking about. Yes, exactly, and very fundamental. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's something that sometimes gets overlooked they get because overlooked. You know, people right. have the infrastructure and the skills and they're just building their beautiful dashboards their pie charts <laughs> love pie <laughs> exactly one of the accelerators i think that you, you you're you're highlighting in in the top five you called it a tectonic shift and that is really just the nature of cloud technology making all of what we're talking about here so far what faster, bigger, better, uh, etc. Right. So tell us, tell us what you're seeing out there uh, with this tectonic shift, and and how specifically is it impacting, you know, the the data and analytics world this year? Like what what's what's new? Where that's where's that going? Yes, definitely. So uh, again, we have the vantage point of that uh, uh, Colibra history over the years. So um, we've seen the data management space evolve and the technologies evolve. Right. Uh, you're storing data somewhere, right? databases 
you're moving data somehow, like ETL or data pipelines or ingest functions, what have you, uh, then you're consolidating the data somewhere. So you have a consolidation place like um, a data warehouse or a data lake or a data lake house, all of those things. And then you're doing some reporting on top of it. So storing data, moving data, consolidating data, and then visualizing or reporting on data. These are essential data management functions. If you go back mm-hmm. two decades, let's say 15 years, uh, you'll be looking at well-established vendors in there, you know, big blue vendors that are not necessarily small vendors, right? But they're doing good business, offering good technology. And um, that quickly changed, I would say, in the last five years, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, those data management functions started to be uh, become part of the cloud players. Yeah. You started to see that uh, those functions, like consolidation, Snowflake also, became part of the cloud providers, offered as a service, paid by consumption, by storage and compute metrics, as opposed to, you know, licenses that you didn't know how much you were using of in the first place. And I think that the difference with those previous players uh, in the industry is that it's not just a David and a Goliath thing anymore, right? It's like an ant and a Goliath, because you're looking at... (laughs) You know, AWS, Google, Microsoft, these are big, big um, titans in, in software industry. And if I'm not mistaken, between the three of them, they did about $100 billion in revenue um, in last year. And that was growing 40% year over year. Uh, so when I refer to it as a tectonic plate right. shift, that's what I'm talking about, right? And it makes a lot of sense. I think the only challenge that you see coming up there um, with mm-hmm. it is the uh, cost challenge. Uh, because it's so easy to just spin up whatever you're spinning up, right? And then, oh, let's train something and let's have a big warehouse with a lot of stuff in there and move a lot of data from left to right. And then all of a sudden you get a big compute bill. Oh, that's a surprise. And this is, again, we're doing proper data management, you know, good governance, quality, all that stuff that we love so much will actually have an impact on your cost. Because if you have a badly designed data warehouse... Uh, which has queries that run long, then you're going to pay a lot more consumption. But if you spend um, more time and effort and discipline on your data architecture and your data products and all that stuff we talked about before, you'll have more control over those costs and you'll get more benefit from that cloud technology. Right, and and your, your mention earlier about sunsetting data products also is really important because you know cost just sitting out there uh growing and growing and growing with a without the use uh you know that scrutiny that you're talking about i think is comes into play now that now that you can you know turn on whatever you want uh with with cloud technology you know, play, paying that close attention to it uh, is really important similarly i think that data governance word before so managing uh to prevent redundancy Right? How many duplicate copies do you have? Uh, right? Or, or let's, or even, maybe even worse, how many, how many not say not you know not duplicate copies do you have? Where where it's slightly changed data, copies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Data may be titled the same, but it's it's not actually the same. So then you might have some bad decisions being made on top of wasted spend, right, on that infrastructure. So, yes, indeed, and it's not just the the, the cost of it, as you say, because you know putting that in more places, even slightly changed versions, you're looking at storage and compute costs. 
but it's also exposing your organization to an unknown risk. Unknown risk. Because every yep. copy you make in a different place is also an additional attack factor for a bad agent to come in and you know pick the weakest point out of the 10 copies and then just steal it from there. Uh, so data breaches have been growing because of uh, reasons like that. Now, uh, to close maybe that uh, cloud topic up, because I, we could talk about it for ages, <laughs> um, I think part of the benefit is that in, um, quote-unquote, the olden days, you probably had to follow special ceremonies and pay tribute to data priests just to get access to some <laughs> arcane uh, data warehouse technology, right? Big it was like very locked down somehow. <laughs> Um, whereas now the, the the cloud technology credit card, I'm simplifying this a little bit, right? But you, any stakeholder in the business can just say, "I'm going to have my warehouse." Now, what this is also doing is it is uh, bringing the business stakeholders a lot closer to the underlying costs of it all, right? So the the value is going to be a lot closer uh, in person hops to the costs, which means that. Uh, the two of them are going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on on both of those. Show me the value of your data and show me that the value of that data is more than the cost that you're making uh, for it. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. So so all of this modernization, data modernization that we're talking about here with cloud technology kind of changes the role a little bit, I think, of the data engineer where they're not managing all of the on-prem systems, you know, on-premise, you know, physical systems that you mentioned earlier, uh, clusters and networking management and, and all of that. So the, the the rise of the data engineer, you call it, uh, in the context of that data mesh world that you described earlier, I think, you know, these modern technologies are kind of changing that. Uh, moving, maybe moving our attention as engineers up the stack where we don't have to worry as much about the physical uh, hardware management, right? Uh, we're, we're able to move up the stack a little bit. So what's, what is the rise of the data engineer all about? Um, well, it's, um, it's an old role and it's a new role, right? Um, some people who in earlier days maybe used to do ETL, uh, so essentially moving data from place A to place B, like your business application and your data warehouse for reporting. Um, they might call themselves data engineers these days, right? But they're essentially still doing the same thing. They're move da moving data from place A to place B, which might come with a lot of technical challenges, which might require some engineering skills. Um, but um, I think there's a, there's a, a more... Um, in-depth uh, definition of a data engineer where they're really building data into their products and applications and services. Uh, because many of the applications we use today, whether they're on, uh, on, on the web or on your mobile phone, somehow have a data component in them, right? So those data engineers sit close to or sit in the same pod or team as the software engineers building uh, that service and keeping it, uh, keeping the lights on. Right, so they're really sitting close to the consumer end user. Um, so there's a whole spectrum of those data engineers, but indeed the, that profession has, has changed. Yeah. Um, but now I think uh, the data engineer role is going to evolve most likely um, around skill sets required to operate those cloud services. 
Right. But on the other hand, you have a lot of the um, uh, old skills that are still going to apply. So the data engineer does need to think about performance, right? The data engineer does need to think about, you know, do I do this real time or batch? And what is my data architecture for that business use case and for the stage that we're at? Um, and they're also going to have to think about uh, things like security and privacy. Because it's not because you, as a data engineer, you're putting your data pipeline or whatever in, in the cloud somehow that all of a sudden it's it, it's safe, right? You're still responsible for making sure that those services and the connectivity to them and the copies and, and whatever else is all fo you know following the best practices to make sure that the risk is uh, uh, manageable. Weaving all of this together, as the data engineer's focus is moving up the stack, they're getting closer to the business, learning and now learning the language of the business. So applying all of what they're managing to, you know, costs, uh, so cost management, value management. So all of what they're actually managing is, is becoming more and more something that engineers may need to start thinking about that they haven't in the past. Exactly. And they should, because um, uh, in my view, this, the services from the providers, uh, they're going to continue to be simplified and commoditized, right? So. A kid coming out of school can operate one, uh, as a matter of speaking, right? Um, so that means that as a, if you're a professional data engineer working through your career, you do have to move up, right? And moving up in that data mesh philosophy might mean think about services that the business stakeholders themselves could use, yeah, exactly. but you're keeping them uh, up and running, right? You're keeping them secure. You're keeping them performant. Uh, Still, somebody has to do that, right? I'm, I'm in the office. There's somebody keeping the lights on in the, yeah, the office. The literal that's, lights on, right? Somebody doing that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just using it. So the same thing applies to data engineers and those self-service, uh, um, that self-service infrastructure for business stakeholders in the data mesh philosophy. Maybe a last thing I want to share, Jay, about the um, the rise of the data engineer. Uh, because it's a, also a bit of a recent phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And just before that, just a couple of years before that, it was all about the data scientists, right? The data scientist was the hot job to have. Um, and I think what we should learn from that phase is that, you know, yes, maybe being a data scientist sounds like a sexy job title. But if that means that your model is sitting somewhere in a Python notebook uh, where it works on, on your prototype data in your own environment, then that's insufficient, right? You need to take that smartness that you've embedded in that model, and you do need to put that in a, an environment where it can be in production, right? Where the business stakeholders can interact with it and where your customers and consumers can uh, benefit from it. And typically moving from that, hey, I'm in a notebook to that productionalized environment requires the data engineering skills, right? So if you have the data science chops, and you want to get stuff into production, either get the data engineering skills or be nice and partner with your data engineer friends to get it done together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's operationalizing uh, machine learning models is 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 maybe the hard part, right? And making it sustainable, making it scalable, and and all of that. And that's that's your data engineering partnership, right? Right there in a nutshell. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, uh, that that last bit you said about the models. I mean, every day I hear about machine learning models, I hear more scary statistics. Uh, I think this was, just heard this one at lunch today, uh, where they said, and this was, it's a bit older, maybe two years old research by Microsoft. And they said, 
98% of models just never make it to production. Right, right, exactly. So there's your rise of the data I mean, data it's probably engineer. better now, right? But it's not going to be 100% uh, of models that are all of a sudden in production. I think it's still quite the opposite. The interesting thing that's happening now is that with uh, some of these services that come out, like the, the generative AI or the LLMs and a whole bunch of other things, is that this expertise around advanced data products like machine learning models is now being taken out of the hands of experts, PhDs in physics, and given as a service in the hands of any creative person, not just software engineers, but any creative person. Um, and in that sense, I think that um, the job of any data professional is going to become even more important because if the models are being democratized, then the only differentiation that you have as an organization becomes the data that is unique to you. And that is a beautiful segue into your final top five prediction, right? And that was data democratization. I th I think that uh, we're we're on the we're at this inflection point uh, with these uh, LLM models and large language models and and uh, generative AI uh, that's 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 in the news quite a bit now. It, this is really very democratized. Anyone and everyone can make use of data at scale to do some pretty profoundly different things. So what's what's your take on on data democratization and what in in a, in a business sense and and in a you know in an enterprise sense where where's that going this year? One of the places that I like it um, most and that I think there's going to be very valuable to a lot of organizations um, is the notion of that data marketplace. Uh, so imagine that you work in an organization and you want to do something with data. Typically, the first thing you start doing is calling your friends, right? Like, hey, Jay, do you have any data about customers, right? And you're in Slack and you're in Teams and you're sending emails or you're calling them and you say, hey, can, do, you, do you know anything about, like, where could I find data like this? Uh, and that's not very demo democratic, right? That's, <laughs> because you literally have to know somebody, right? Um, whereas if you think about, a uh, if you think about it through the lens of a data marketplace, then you'll have a place in your company, a website where you can go to and it's like data at colibra.com just saying something, right? Uh, the data one-stop shop, um, at Colibra, right? And then you go there and this gives you, um, an interface like you would have, um, uh, from Amazon or Shopify, any kind of storefront interface, except you're not buying nuts and bolts or, you know, books, but you're literally searching for the data assets and data products that are available in your organization. Um, and if you expose that storefront, that marketplace of data to anyone in the company, I mean, that's democratic because now anybody can see, okay, what data and data products are out there that I might potentially make use of. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden everybody in the organization has access to that data, right? That's, that's a different thing. But at least they know what is available and they know the process as to how they might request access to get that, to get the actual delivery of the data access done to them. And democratic also means, you know, on a, on a competencies and skills level. As much as I would love everybody in the world, even the NoSQL haters, right, to, to learn SQL, 
which is the language of, of data and querying, right. I think it's an unrealistic expectation uh, that everybody's going to be a master of SQL all of a sudden. That's just not going to happen. Uh, so yes, you can act, you know you can say here's data sets in our data warehouse in our data lake or whatever, and everybody in the uh, organization can go to the marketplace and request access to the warehouse. That doesn't mean they know SQL, right? That doesn't mean they know how to put the joins together so they get, or even worse, maybe they know just a little bit and they're putting the joins together in the wrong way. So it, like the results are all wrong. Uh, so I think democratization is also about those skills, but because you cannot expect everyone to become an expert querier or an expert dashboard builder, you also want to expose those data products, finished insights to those uh, stakeholders. That's also part of data democratization. Yeah, yeah, very good. Okay, so it's 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 access, it's understanding uh, with some controls, with some care and feeding around it, right? Exactly. Yeah, good. Well, look, this is 2023 is shaping up to be a pretty exciting year, uh, given all those uh, predictions that you've got there. Uh, any final thoughts there, Stan? Well, my button that I mentioned in the beginning. Data monetization. Think about the language of the business, <laughs> language of money, and think about how you are going to take your data and turn it into value, money, and think about uh, the costs associated with doing that, uh, whether that's infrastructural or process or uh, skills or resources, but really think about the value and the costs of your data products. Money, money, money. Uh, if I heard one thing in this talk today, it's loud and clear that you know we're, we in the data world really need to start speaking the language of business. And the language of business, right? That vocabulary centers on money. Managing, measuring, uh, discussing your organization's data in financial terms is really just gonna wind up being a requirement for us. What does that mean? What does it cost to produce data? you know, in the analytics that you're doing with it. Uh, and then all, really importantly, what's the return value from that work? You know, thankfully, we have well-established ways to do that, right? Namely, thinking about the product management discipline, right? So if we're treating data as a product, then these financial terms are ultimately baked into the whole process from the get-go. As Stan said, data product approach is really the shortest distance between data and the dollar. Right, and there's, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, so to continue, cloud technology, it continues to be in the top five predictors uh, for this year and probably even beyond. Why? Well, because it's becoming table stakes for organizations to get value from data. Think about all of the Vs, right? Uh, you data folks know what I'm talking about. We're talking about the velocity of data, right? The, there's uh, data flying around all over the place uh, quite rapidly. The volume of data, there's so much of it and it continues to grow. The variety of data, all different types of data, et cetera, and all the other Vs. All of that winds up getting enabled by advancing cloud technologies. So if you're not there yet, you really need to start thinking about it and skilling up your teams, right? So that you can, uh, so that you can manage it. Uh, all right, so speaking of those skills, Many times when we think of data and analytics professionals, um, we're thinking about the data scientist, right? The folks that are building those AI models that you, well, you're hearing a lot about in the news these days, right? So increasingly important is 
the advance of the data engineer, right? Those skills uh, are more and more important. The data engineer, that's the role that is the one architecting, designing, managing, building all of those cloud technologies that we talked about. And it's those technologies that the data scientist is using, right? So we really have to invest in those folks. You gotta invest in that data engineering talent. As all this comes together, the tools, the technology, uh, all of those advances, the product thinking, good governance and more, data winds up becoming more and more accessible to people, right? All around your organization, especially as those skills advance and you're hiring that talent around your, around your uh, organization. What does that mean? All of that turns into something that we're going to call data democratization, right? It's the eventual path that we're all starting to get to, where every data citizen uh, ultimately is going to have easy access to the right data for the right reasons, right, in order to drive value. For Calibra, this is the Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Millicher, and I'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.